Sports stories from the 419 in Northwest Ohio brought to you by A Voice You Know. It's time to go around the area and around the Hearn. Welcome to a special by the time you hear this Saturday night slash early Sunday edition of Around the Hearn. Later on in the week, this week, as a lot of things going on, high school football last night, I intended to have this show ready to go for high school football when we talk to the head coach of the Bluffton Pirates and Jeff Richards. Instead, you're going to hear about what he thought about the game going in, his team with a big win, and we'll talk about basketball as well with Mike and Kelly J about the uh, St. Mary's project that they have got working on the Hall of Fame. They already unveiled the uh, girls' version in January the 8th next year. You'll hear all about it here on this episode. They will unveil the boys' version of the Hall of Fame, and it's a really cool thing that they've done and a lot of work as well as I sit here at Troy between Piqua and Troy ready to go for high school football here on a Saturday night. Big week of high school football last night. Western Buckeye League, Ottawa Glendorf got their first win. Wapakoneta held off St. Mary's fourth straight year in which those two teams have played less than one possession game. And Wapak got a field goal to uh, get the win in that one. You can read about it on my website at michaelhearn.com. But a lot of things to get to. It's kind of a shorter week. News and notes will return it next week, and we'll talk, hopefully, some volleyball as well. There's a lot of big games. Uh, Marion Local fell 3-1 to uh, Ottawa Glandorf today. That's a big Mac WBL matchup. But on the other side of this break, we'll talk about Bluffton football with their head coach in Jeff Richards. Then we'll talk some basketball with Mike and Kelly J. That's when we come back here on Around the Hearn. I'm with Eric McCracken, Lee Kinsel, GM Sales and Service, 650 West Irvin Road, Van Wert. We have left the dealership, and we are in a beautiful Buick. Eric, what are we in? 2021 Buick Enclave Avenue, Billy. This thing is the bomb. I tell you what, cruising down Irvin Road, just smooth as ice and a lot of features. I like the cooled seats. You know, when it's summertime, cooled seats are a nice feature. Keeps my back from getting all sweaty. Absolutely. This has the cooled seats. It's all-wheel drive. Beautiful chestnut interior. These cars are appointed one of the finest luxury cars in the world, and they do have three rows of seats. And everybody loves the room this car offers. Big V6 motor. A lot of fun to drive and they really turn heads. I noticed the backup camera, but I also noticed a camera overhead. How's that doing that from a satellite in the sky? That's the bird's eye view. What it does is uses about six cameras around the car. It's a very safe vehicle. One of the many vehicles waiting for you, Lee Kinsel GM Sales and Service, 650 West Irvin Road, Van Wert. And remember, find new roads. Back now talking about Bluffton football with the head coach in Jeff Richards. 2-0 on the season. Big matchup coming up in week number three against Ayersville. And, uh, Coach, first of all, thank you for doing this. And you guys have got to be excited. It's week three and you're 2-0. Yeah, you know, that's uh, kind of how you hope to start the season out. Um, you know, we had two BBC opponents to, to begin the season. You know, the kind of polar opposites and types of game. You know, Corey Rossi, you get a 75 to nothing win. And, uh, everything that could go right went right. And then, you know, Pandora, we got ourselves into trouble and had to pull it out in overtime. So it was a good thing to have our guys face a little bit of adversity week two. But, you know, we got the win, which is the most important thing with it. Moving into a game with another 2-0 team in Ayersville. And that's the first time uh, you guys have played PG in a long time, correct? Uh, you know, two years ago we did in 2019. And that was the first time that I'm going to say uh, almost probably 50 years. Um, and then last year, COVID kind of threw a wrench in that, 
jump start the old rivalry. But, uh, it's a wrench but we were happy things. to get, yeah, oh, definitely. But uh, we were happy to get it back going this year. I mean, how much happier were you this year to just be able to day one for practice of, yeah, you still have to have some precautions and be smart, but you don't have to think of all of the 3,000 insane things at any given moment. Yeah, you know, I had a talk with our team that first week of August, you know, you know, we, we reminded them that a year ago at that time, we were just hoping to be able to play. It, it wasn't even a, you know, what's going to happen. It was, I hope we have a season. And this year, you know, we gave him a little bit of perspective with that and, and to enjoy it and also not take it for granted because, you know, so many kids, you know, we had we had a game last year called on, on a COVID situation. And, it's, you know, you take it for granted, but you've got a very finite window of time to be a football player. So you want to cherish everyone. Luckily, you've got quite a few of those times to be a head coach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, I... Uh, Every year, I feel like I uh, I turn a new page and, and I get the same feelings when the lights are on Friday night that I got you know over twenty years ago when I was playing. It's just this time I get to watch these kids you know enjoy the the opportunity to play and the excitement they have and being able to be with their teammates and friends on the field. Well, isn't it amazing how, for instance, last week you guys went thirty four twenty eight like we were talking about, but then if you know, God forbid you were to lose at Ayersville, you'd go from being the smartest guy in Bluffton to the dumbest guy in Bluffton, just kind of how that ebbs and flows. Oh, and it's the first thing with, you know, you're going to make a decision, but the fact of the matter is, you know, one team's got to lose, and, you know, they practice too, <laughs> and sometimes it's not the X's and O's, it's more the Jimmy's and the Joe's, and, and we've learned that a lot over the years. We're fortunate right now. We've got some guys that are well experienced and well able. Um, but we've been on the other side of it, and you know, I I remind kids all the time of you know, if they don't prepare and if they're not ready, anybody can win on any given night. So, uh, but yeah, you know, it's any community. You know, I've coached in, in cities and I've coached in the country, and every community has a lot of people that know the right play that would have worked instead of the one you call. That's for sure. <laughs> Right, and it's always something crazy. Uh, for instance, St. Mary's has got a, a lonesome polecat play, and when it works, yeah. everybody is, oh, my God, the Fries are the smartest people in the world. When the pass falls <laughs> incomplete, it's, well, why would they run that? Why wouldn't we just run the football? Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, and, and me being, you know, an option-focused coach that, uh, you know, we spread it out. We're a shotgun option team, and we, we score a lot of points with it, and we have a lot of success with it, but. It's amazing how often you'll hear throw the ball and then throw the ball and throw an interception. Why'd you throw the ball? So, you know, it has, it is, it is something I've always, you know, I grew up in coaches' side and I grew up around coaches. So you learn to get some thick skin pretty quick. And then also you learn that, you know, that's, I think that's part of the game and that's part of the, the greatness of high school football is how passionate people are about it. When you steal plays, I mean, homage plays that you've seen other colleges and stuff use, do you use, if you know what they call it, or do you kind of rebrand it? Um, you know, we, it depends. So I, with, with my philosophy and as much option stuff as we do, I tried to go to the source again of the people, you know, we were under center in the flex bone. I went down to Georgia Tech and talked with their staff about how they did some things. 
knew him if you get some, you know, the wordage that they used because it was something to keep consistent. Um, but, you know, every so often a wrinkle play or a play that we've seen over time that, you know, you want to pull out, you'll you'll tag it with something. You know, I remember that when the Philly special a few years ago in the Super Bowl, we were uh, laughing because we had drawn up that play and, and we were calling it the Beaver Dam special because, uh, you know, but, uh, you know, something like that. We like to signal in with cards and, and pictures, and they get to have fun with that. So, anything you can do to to keep the kids excited and have a little bit of fun with it is always a plus. I've always loved about the coaching fraternity, and it spans from uh, youth all the way up to uh, the big leagues in the NFL. That coaches, especially, it seems like more of the older coaches who have been around for a while, are so willing to. Uh, give back and talk to coaches. And, and I always go back in my head to uh, uh, Doug Fry would talk about Chris Summers at Spencerville and about, uh, I, I can't think of who the other coach was, but they would all go to coaching clinics and they would go to wing T clinics and all this stuff together. And they would learn from like, you're talking about coaches at Georgia tech. I mean, that's, that's the coolest part of the fraternity is that you want everybody to succeed. And unless of course you're playing them. Oh yeah, absolutely. And it's, you know, it's always been uh, as you know. The longer you're in in a certain spot coaching, you get to know the opposing coaches, and, and yeah, it's a rivalry, and yeah, you want to beat them, but also you respect each other, and it becomes kind of this game of chess. You know, uh, the NWC in particular. You know, we've got. I've been here six years now, so I've got a pretty good relationship with a number of the coaches, and then also I've known them from you know even before, you know, with uh, Coach Summers, you know, he was a graduate assistant at Bluffton University when I played there. And, and Jared Owens, who's no longer at Crestview, but I actually blocked for him when we were in college. So it was always that kind of fun rivalry of you're friends with them and you know them and you want to beat them. Uh, but also there's that mutual respect there. You know, it just makes it, I think, more fun, more competitive. Um, and then, you know, the guys that, you know, maybe I'm not coaching against them at the moment, but they're, you know, they have a, a team in the area or they're keeping an eye on you. You know, every every Friday I send a few texts and get a few texts from, uh, you know, fellow coaches in the area. And I've been fortunate enough to have a good relationship with some coaches down in Kentucky and down in the Cincinnati area. So we all try to, you know, stay in communication and, and I think it's it's a big thing. We're all pulling for each other unless it comes to a point where we're playing against each other. And then we hope we all stub our toe. Do you have anybody who's on the coaching staff at Bishop Sycamore? <laughs> Not that I know of, but if I did, I'm going to have to ask for <laughs> their playbook because I don't know what that was. That was uh, that was an alarming series of events. That's been it. That's been a discussion topic all week in our staff. Oh, yeah. I, I have a sports show that I, that's going to be the entire basis for my hour. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you can't get good stuff off of that. Let me ask you this. Oh, as a coach, goodness. though, in the state of Ohio, uh, a lot of people are saying in the – one of the guys, uh, Premier Gridiron, I think is the guy on Twitter, is going on about how uh, they were the only school that stepped up. Now, when you look at that, it, I mean, is that kind of a slant on Ohio football or is it just kind of – you know, we know that uh, the St. Ignatius is a, of the world, St. Ed's, Moeller, X, all these bigger schools that 
they scheduled two years in advance. There's no way yeah. they could have played in this made-for-TV thing. Yeah, I view that as kind of a not well-educated statement to make, just based on you know the quality of football in the state is at a very high level, and also you know a, a school like IMG, they're not affiliated with a state athletic association. They're you know they're a prep school, so you run into this problem where you know you know Saint Ignatius they've got their own schedule to worry about. They're not going to just pick up a game at random. Um, but then also, I am very, very certain that if they had an open date, they would have no problem playing in NIMG. Same with, you know, the big Cincinnati schools, things like that. When I was down in Kentucky, um, you know, we had uh, the school I coached at played against Coleraine when Coleraine was rolling under Coach Bolden. And, uh, you know, that's the, the big schools in Ohio, I don't think, have any problem playing any other school in the country. Because I think that deep down, every coach in Ohio believes that our brand of football in the state of Ohio is the best. You know, in some cases, we may be wrong. You know, you're going to get a team anywhere can be great. But, uh, you know, Ohio football is something that coaches take a ton of pride in. You go to the state coaches clinic any year, and it's insane the number of coaches there to learn and the number of college coaches there to interact with us. I just kind of thought it was interesting because the other thing that I guess I immediately as someone who stays close and covers football in the state is it's week two of football yeah. in Ohio. It's not exactly like, I mean, this game was supposedly booked in May or whatever, but I mean, all of those big schools, they don't need that kind of exposure. They get that kind of exposure. I know uh, Ignatius and Ed's uh, typically play teams from Florida and Jersey just yeah, kind of yeah. not under this weird forced ESPN. Hey, look at us. We can get every top state. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like it was a, you know, it was a little bit of a marketing disaster as it unfolded, but um, you know, it, it looked bad on Ohio until people realized the full story. Um, you know, I had, I had some messages from friends down in Kentucky laughing about Bishop Sycamore and I had to tell them I had never heard of Bishop <laughs> Sycamore and I was born and raised in the state. Um, so it, it's a, uh, you know, I think it was an unfortunate thing, you know, for in reality, it, it's probably a good thing. Something even worse didn't happen when you have guys that are full grown adults playing against teenagers. And, you know, I'm sure there's probably more that's going to unfold with all of it, but, um, you know, and the fact that IMG was beating a bunch of grown men that right, bad was right. another another discussion in itself. One of the dudes was 27, I heard. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, I, I mean, I'm 35, and I think I could play one play, and I would need oxygen. So, <laughs> right. you know, some of these guys, some of these guys, and I'm sure they're, they're in better shape than I am, but, uh, yeah, you get up there, and, and you're trying to pretend you're a high school student is, uh, I don't. I don't really know how to even respond to that. Yeah, I just uh, like I said, I, I just was fascinated by the whole thing. My wife had sent me the article initially, and and I follow pretty closely, you know, as many teams as I can in Ohio because I never know broadcasting wise who we're going to see in the playoffs. But just reading that whole thing, and, and now everything else that's coming out behind it is just about the craziest story that I can think of. Oh yeah, it's. It's going to be a thirty for thirty. I'm guessing at some. That's some what I was thinking. Either that or a Netflix movie. 
Yeah. Oh, definitely. We went from sleeping on floors to playing on ESPN. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call what you were doing playing, but yeah, more power to you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you've got one of the more interesting schedules, I think, of anybody in the area, just because of the way that it draws out. This week, the first of three straight away games, you go to Ayersville, Spencerville, and Ada. Traditionally, not easy places to win. But then when you come back home, you get obviously very good teams in Crestview, Lipsick, and you end at Columbus Grove. I mean, there's not there's not a, a, an easy year for you guys this year. Oh no, and that's something we mark. You know, we mark our our schedule and look at it, and we kind of plot out you know what to expect um, preparation wise. And and I think every year the NWC as a whole is a very competitive conference where a lot of the, of the teams are very balanced talent wise. So you run into these just murderers row style of games where you've got back to back games where they're very, very competitive. Um, you know, Ayersville is by no means uh, an easy game. They're a very tough, talented team and playing at Ayersville. It, it's a battle. It's our first away game. It's an hour away. And, um, if you've been to Ayersville Stadium, I think the visitor's locker room is about 10 miles from the field. At least that's how far it feels walking there. So it's, it's a hostile environment to play in. Um, and then to go from that to going to Spencerville, which is never, you know, is never a fun place to walk into. You know, Coach Summers always has his team ready to go. They're always tough and physical. And then, you know, Ada, this is actually the third year in a row we're going to be playing at Ada just based on how crazy last year was and it, it messed up some schedules. But, um, you know, Ada always plays tough at home and, and they always have a good crowd. Um, then we, we get the, I guess you could call it the good fortune of coming home to play Crestview and Lipsick back to back, which, you know, as soon as I heard Lipsick was coming to the conference, I thought it was fabulous for the conference because, you know, the, the pedigree of, of football that Lipsick brings is, is very good. And Coach Kirkendall always has a very tough and, and talented team. And then we go to Allen East for a week, which is a not a fun place to play. And then we finish with Delphus and Grove, uh, which, you know, I, I look back and, and over the years and things, and it's been, you know, last year Grove won the league outright. And for good reason, they were definitely they the were best team good. in the league. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the two years prior to that, it was a three-way tie for the conference. So, uh, you know, you look at that and, and we've been, you know, fighting to climb up the rankings in the conference for a few years. And we feel this year, you know, we have a very capable team. But the biggest battle you have in the, in the conference is being ready every single week. You can't take a step back because somebody will catch you. Well, I think if you guys had had to go to uh, Delphus this year, you would have hit, almost hit the entire new turf trifecta of every yeah. everybody that's gotten them this year. Oh, yeah. And, you know, I, Coach Rarig and I had a great conversation about, you know, I said we probably couldn't get turf because our field floods because it's so close to the Riley Creek every year. But uh, And then he com- complimented how he hates coming to Bluffton because of our atmosphere. Um, but I, I actually, I'm looking forward to, to being able to play at Delphi. That looks beautiful on film and everything I heard was, uh, you know, they did a great job on that. And, you know, I've heard Ada's field looks great, too. So, you know, Good for them. That's great for their facilities. We're going to keep on keeping on with our uh, traditional Harmon Field draft. I uh, have done a handful of games at Bluffton, and I want to say one of them was Western Reserve Academy came there one year. 
and uh, Bluffton uh, won that game pretty handily. And every single time that Bluffton scored, even though I knew it was coming and I was looking at it, that cannon scared the hell out of me. <laughs> yeah, we actually, this year, it's kind of a disappointment. We don't have the cannon this year. Um, we, we were told that apparently in Michigan with the cannon. We were told we couldn't use it by that. Our, our community member who's in charge of firing the cannon was, was very bitter against Corey Ross and put up 75 points. He actually <laughs> came over to me and uh, kind of nudged me and said, do you realize how many times we would have fired the cannon tonight? <laughs> and uh, I, I've heard I've heard more officials yell at me over a cannon than over uh, yelling at them for uh, bad penalties and things like that. That thing definitely was notorious over the years. I guess I didn't read your business card correctly, where it says head coach slash come complain to me about the cannon guy. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah. It's a uh, you know that, that's one of the perks of uh, when your mascot's a pirate, you can have a pirate ship and shoot cannons and all that. Good. So that's one of the benefits. <laughs> well, you used to be able to anyways. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's sad. That makes me sad because even though <laughs> that ha- I, like that was still one of my favorite things because it was such a cool atmosphere until the smoke had to take 10 minutes to dissipate every time you scored. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We've, uh, over the years, we get some games where they're firing it a lot, and it, if the temperature's right and the, there's no wind, it just kind of sits there in the end zone. There's, it creates a bit of a problem. Yeah, there's not much, I, I think, that in the NWC that beats the atmosphere, though, at your field before a game with the band coming down the street and back behind and just kind of the pageantry that goes along with it. But you definitely lost the coolest thing in the conference with no more cannon. <laughs> I, I've, I've been trying to campaign to get something to replace it, you know, but uh, it, so far I haven't been fortunate enough to come up with something good enough. Well, I wish you all the luck in the world, except for next Friday night when you guys come to my alma mater. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that, but hopefully I can disappoint you next Right, week. right. I tell every coach in the world that, and they're like, I hope you're <laughs> sad about 10 o'clock next week. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it, it might be earlier, cause considering Coach Summers and I both like to run the ball. We, well, that's true. I think a couple of years ago, I think we were finished before 9 o'clock, because we both, I don't think either of us attempted to pass. Uh, more than one time in that game. I've got St. Mary's Wapak this week, and I had one a couple of years ago that was finished at about eight twenty-five. Yeah, that's, that's, you don't get that anymore. You know, <laughs> I had that discussion with somebody about that games used to start at seven thirty, but now that people throw the ball, they wanted to make it earlier because <laughs> they were taken to. Well, I mean, you know, what Vince Lombardi said about throwing the football. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I still believe it. I don't think they. I don't think they've ever read that quote in Kenton. Oh no, no, no! What well, are you going to get with, with the air raid? It's you know, it's right. a, it's, a it, it's fascinating to me. I mean, everything goes in cycles. So. <laughs> well, I mean, I hope everything goes well for you guys again, except for next week. <laughs> well, thank you. That's uh, talk about Bluffton football with head coach Jeff Richards back with more here in just a few. No matter what stage of life you're in, accessing your money should be quick and easy. With the Go Anywhere account from Citizens National Bank, you can use any ATM free of charge nationwide. Transfer money on the go and deposit checks with your phone and have peace of mind with our account alerts. Away at school, at the soccer field, or traveling the country, you can truly go anywhere and bank with CNB. Learn more at cnbohio.com. Citizens National Bank. 
Equal Housing Lender, member FDIC. One of the cool things about what I get to do for a living is getting to talk to people who uh, remember the history of things, and I myself am that kind of nerd, so I always appreciate being able to look back and truly sort of appreciate the past because, you know, it's where we come from. And uh, from uh, that comes this. And uh, Mike and Kelly J uh, talking about the uh, history of St. Mary's basketball, and he's they've both been big help to me, but something really cool has already happened with the Girls Hall of Fame a couple of years ago, and now the boys on January the 8th of 22 will get their own Hall of Fame. And, I mean, guys, my question, I guess, to you, I knowing having had kids that had played, how did all of this kind of come to be? Well, I'll let my wife answer the uh, the girls' basketball part. Smart boy. All right, so, <laughs> so about four years ago, uh, our current girls' head coach, and principal John Burke uh, came came to me and said, um, "Hey, you know the there are other groups that have you know Hall of Fame here within the school. Um, I want to uh, put put in a girls basketball Hall of Fame. I, I want to give our kids something to to aspire to, some something to look up to, and and so I'm I'm willing to finance it if you guys do the legwork." And uh, for, for whatever reason, uh, we have evolved into the keepers of the uh, stats and records and, and ba- all things basketball here at St. Mary's. So um, he came to us and said, you know, will you do it? And, and of course, we're, you know, we're a basketball family and, and um, I coach coaches and coach here forever. And, and so we jumped on it and said, yes. So we, uh, that kind of got us going on about a year and a half um, research project and and get, getting all the information for the girls uh, girls Hall of Fame. So um, we we did that, got everything put together, had the ceremony. Uh, things things went really well, and uh, within just a very short period of time, um, we were approached then uh, by some people that said, "Hey, girls, girls." project looks great. You guys did a good job on it. Um, we're willing to finance the boys if you guys are willing to do the legwork for the boys. And, and so that's kind of how, how things, you know, went from, from the girls' project straight into the boys' project. Um, girls' project being much easier because girls' basketball didn't start in the OHSA until 1976. Boys basketball, however, we're, we're we're all the way back to 1950 with with our Hall of Fame. So it's a lot more effort, a lot more digging, a lot harder to get info back in the in the Stone Ages of of the 50s, 60s. Well, I'm still amazed that you got John Burke to give you any money because he won't buy me a hot dog. <laughs> yeah, he gave us a bunch of money. I don't know. He must not like you very well. Well, it's true. He doesn't know who I am when I text him. He says, who is this? I'm like, just put me in your phone. It's fine. He said, if I put you on my phone, it's going to be to avoid you. So I don't know what that means. No, but it's such a cool thing because I know having been uh, around a lot more like the last 10 years or so around St. Mary's basketball, getting to see kind of how the programs evolve. And I see the girls at least once a year with when they play OG specifically. But I can't imagine the amount of things – that you had to scan through and kind of go, 
okay, this is important, but is it important enough to sort of warrant an inclusion? Yeah, and, and we, we, when we did the girls, um, we immediately said that we want to make sure we have an objective um, re- requirement, criteria to get in the Hall of Fame. We didn't want it to be uh, a popularity contest. Uh, you know, who, who knows who and voting. Uh, or picking, you know, my favorite kids that I like the best. We wanted something uh, completely objective, a standard that had existed through, through time that is a high standard and uh, something that wouldn't be questioned by others. So what we came up with, really the only award that has continued all the way from 1950s to now is first team WBL. District awards, state awards have drastically changed through time. There's but a popularity. First team, right? Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. It, we thought first team WBL was a nice, at least a starting point. You know, and if if later on they want to include other people who weren't first teamers, you know, then that'll be left to younger people than us to continue the Hall of Fame. But we thought first team WBL was, you know, it's a not an easy thing to do. Um, we've only had forty of them since 1950 in boys, and what 17 in girls, 20 in girls since since 1976. So it's a pretty selective honor, and uh, it has endured through time. So we picked that as our uh, objective standard. No, I was going to say your your question then, you know, as far as what do we have to do to get that information. It's been one massive research project for us, and you know, as both both being educators, we've done our fair share of of research projects. You know, over over the years, we kind of faced it as a big research project. And let's start start with our our first you know first reference materials, and lots of times it was uh, yearbooks. Uh, and then we spilled from from yearbooks into uh, newspapers. Uh, I've been in every St. Mary's yearbook since 1910. Uh, wow! Micro microfilm with microfilm. Which, you know, <laughs> kids don't even know about right. microfilm anymore. They don't even know what that is. Um, and and then old leaders. Yeah. Um, and then also, what I found with the girls and and this existed also with the, the voice project as well was once I found someone who who was was definitely uh, a first teamer some somewhere along the line and it was somebody that I could contact some of them had yearbook or yearbook uh, scrapbook stuff now girl the girls because they were more recent and because they were girls were pretty good about that Lots, lots of the girls had had scrapbook things, and so oftentimes I would just get those scrapbooks from those girls. You know, I I went to many houses, uh, parents' houses, and things like that for you know those who lived out of town, and just kind of sat scanning through their year or their scrapbook and reading old articles, and it was amazing what things you could find in the old articles. Oftentimes, it was referencing another player, and, and suddenly we're sitting there with our our, our big Excel sheet saying, "Oh, we got to write this one down. We got another one." 
you know, that we, we saw from some article and, you know, another girl's scrapbook two years before. So, uh, oh, yeah, Dr. Seuss's book says, you know, oh, the places you will go. So, well, we've we've been in barns, attics, basements. Really just been a, a big research thing for us and, and kind of following following lead after lead. And sometimes, you know, just like in regular research, your lead comes to a dead end, but sometimes it's very bountiful information that comes to to you. Well, it's kind of crazy because I know that a lot of people will roll their eyes at this, but it's a reality. I mean, Kelly, did you guys, specifically more of the girls' side, have kind of a, a different time or... I don't want to say a harder time because, I mean, boys basketball, everybody will just go, oh, yeah, I know, for sure it's boys basketball, but of uh, outside of the girls themselves or their families of getting them uh, to show up or or just kind of be into the whole thing, uh, like a harder time than what the boys would have been. Um, we we had actually um, a great response. We, uh, of the 20 girls that were inducted, 17 of them uh, appeared uh, in person uh, for the ceremony. Uh, one who did not lived in California. One who did not lived in New York, and one who did not um, had a scheduled cruise, uh, vacation cruise with her family that weekend, and so she couldn't come. The other seventeen came, and I, I kind of think that for the girls because. Uh, sadly, girls have not been uh, in the spotlight. You know, they, they oftentimes, you know, played second fiddle. Right. In, poorly, that's what it, I was trying to I, allude to. It, it meant a lot to the girls. In, in some ways, kind of starved for the recognition that they deserved and maybe didn't get when they were in high school. I think they were extra appreciative of being remembered now. They did. They just, and, and their, their teammates showed up, their families showed up, extended families. We invited all the former coaches. Almost all the living coaches were there. And, but I, I do, I think it, it meant a lot to the girls simply because they had not always been in the spotlight. Well, and that's kind of an odd thing because growing up, my mom graduated in the 70s, and she was, by all accounts of anybody who's ever told me the story, a heck of an athlete. And I got to see a little bit of that growing up, her playing softball and bowling and some other stuff. But I always kind of go back to that where if there – I don't want to say I have a soft spot, but I have a spot on me where I will always try to push a girls' sport, specifically girls' basketball – a little bit harder because I feel like, you know, you pick uh, Team A versus Team B, it doesn't matter what boys game, 85 media members or whatever. But if you pick, you know, Team A, Team B, and girls, you might get two. And I, I really, I think especially in this climate or culture, however you want to look at it, this day and age, that's a ridiculous thing because to be honest with you, girls basketball is a more pure thing than what boys are nowadays, at least from a passing and shooting perspective. Yeah, it's a little more of a skilled game, and boys, in some ways, is, to me, devolved into a, an ugly physical push-and-shove contest at How times. How far can I shoot? As a, as a girl growing up, and I was uh, 
slightly after after your mom. I graduated in 1984. Um, you know, I I saw lots of things. Um, you know, the the change from using the boys' ball, which which I did uh, in in high school, um, shifting from there to using the girls' ball, which is a little easier to use because it's a little smaller. Um, the advent of the three-point line and, and just, you know, there were lots of things that, that evolved, but girls that I talked to during this, this process talked about things that, you know, we laugh at now, but, but the, the one woman said, you know, I can remember when we got our first practice uniform. She said, before that, we wore jean shorts to, to practice. And she said, we thought it was so unbelievably cool to get regular practice shorts and a reversible. And, and so, yeah, that things have come a long way um, for, for the, the girls' sports. And, and uh, we, were, we were just excited during this process to be able to highlight uh, some of those, those girls in our, in our St. Mary's history who have had unbelievable accomplishments. Um, yes, even at the college level, they, they've gone on and, and just done fabulous things. And, and, you know, as we were doing this, we sit there and, and sometimes talk about how do our, our phenomenal players stack up against the greats of other schools. And, and when I'm sitting there looking at a, a lineup of, you know, Nikki Myers and, and, uh, Nan Kogies and Chrissy Haynes and Liz Krugs, you know, and I'm putting those lineups against anybody uh, in in any WBL school or any of the MAC schools. I'm like, hey, we got some special players here, and so it's it's been really neat to be able to highlight those players. And now we're as we've moved into the boys boys process, we're seeing that wow. It, you know, we've got some pretty spectacular players here. Well, there was a decent some player from people. your own house, right? Yeah, he was all right. <laughs> he could shoot. He, he, could he shoot was all right. Bit. I mean, you know, I'm not giving him any extra press. No, but I, I truly enjoyed being able to call his games. And I remember uh, the game at Lipsick, I think his senior year, was one of those games where I just kind of waited. And, you know, I, I've seen – and play enough times and just kind of waited to see what was going to happen. And then, oh, there it is. Yeah, I think he got his thousandth point that yeah. night. Yeah, on a three that I still think had to be just a heat check shot. <laughs> just see if it'll go in and throw right. it up there. Yeah, might as well. I mean, nothing else is going in. What the heck? Uh, but, I mean, that's such a cool thing, obviously, because it gives you uh, more of kind of a look at the induction ceremony coming up in January. It's on the 8th at 5 o'clock before the Dublin-Jerome game, it gives you a cooler kind of inside look and I, I want to say kind of a, a deeper appreciation for everything that you've been able to find out. Sitting, sitting comparing comparing players from the various decades has has been really cool for us. And, and during this process, we've met some people that we never would have met before if we, you know, hadn't been involved in this, um, and and really has has given us a, 
deep appreciation for their accomplishments in in previous decades. N- neither Mike or I are are from um, are, are from St. Mary's. We moved here in 1990. We're not we're not natives, and so you know didn't didn't know a, a whole lot about St. Mary's basketball in the in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and so yeah, we've learned a lot. And we have become uh, almost like a little bit like a family. Uh, we've discovered not only b- about the players, but who their relatives are, who their friends were in St. Mary's, who they played with. Um, so it gets a little bit after a while, almost like you know them and their families a little bit. It's been a, been a very neat experience. Well, and it's fascinating to me because I know how I get down rabbit holes when it usually works out for either St. Mary's football or OG girls basketball where I get fixated on a thing and I try to find the end point. And then it's like clicking on a link in Wikipedia and six hours later, you're just looking at a, how the hell did I get here? So I, I can only imagine, and I have a deep appreciation for the individual rabbit holes you guys must have gone down on certain things. Oh, yeah. It, it, your, your Wikipedia analogy is exactly what has happened here. We're, suddenly we're, we're researching something that we would ha- had no impact on anything, but we're like, you know what? We need to find out about this, too. I get stuck on the stupidest things where I'm like, it's going to take me three hours to research that, and I'm going to spout it off on a broadcast in about five seconds. <laughs> but when you look back at it, it was worth it. You enjoyed the it was worth the, it to uh, me. pursuit, right? Like somebody else would be like, "Oh, I heard that somewhere." Yeah, that was me. Derek's quote was, after a while, he said, "Dad, this isn't this isn't a project anymore. It's it's becoming an obsession." <laughs> and there. And there's a lot of truth to that. Well, tell them that way. Good. You're busy. You come home, mow the grass. <laughs> yeah. That's what I would have told him. There, there, there have been numerous times where, where Mike has said, well, I'm, I'm going to Columbus tonight. I'm like, all right, well, what are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm going to uh, Claude Graves' house. Claude Graves' house. Uh, he's got some things that I need to read. Scrapbooks, and I take my scanner with me and go scan articles and pictures and listen to stories. Well, there have been people's houses. I've been in houses for six and seven hours at a time until they about chased me out, I think. <laughs> it was either Just, that or they had to feed you a meal. Right. Like, exactly. Should I bring and, uh, something with me? Is that, is that how that works? No, it's it's such yep. a cool thing. I love what you guys are doing, and uh, Denny and I kind of alluded to it a little bit during football last Friday night to try to get people on board. I'm almost positive that the night of that game that we're doing a game in Indiana, but I really, oh, are you doing the cold water Salina game? Yeah, that was supposed to be last year at Hoosiers Gym. Thanks, COVID. Because um, that's gonna that takes away that game is kind of unlucky. Uh, Adam Johns. Salinas' coach is a Hall of Famer, so he's not going to be able to be there. And Coldwater's coach, Nick Fisher, used coached here one year of varsity boys basketball. So he would have been – he's one of our living coaches who's not going to be able to be here. Either. So we lose two guys by, by them playing that game and, at Hoosiers Gym. Well, to be fair, it was supposed to be played almost a year to the day the year previous, but yes. you know, yeah, the world exactly. disagreed. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, yeah. Those, those are two good ones. Yeah, so we're we're hoping that uh, you know COVID won't cause any problems this year, and we can have the have the ceremony. We've got 40, 40 uh, people who've been 
first team WBLers from 1950 to 2017. We think that as of now, I think 25 or 26 of the 40 are coming back in person. 10 of the 12 living coaches are planning on returning as well. Dang that Nick Fisher being busy. Yeah. I know it. <laughs> well, I, I can't wait. I'm so excited for this to come to fruition and all of your hard work to be seen by all these people. I know that uh, at some point I'll end up getting to see it afterwards, but I, I can't thank you guys enough for coming on and talking about everything that you've been through on this and everything you've got going on. One nice thing, even if you can't attend, um, uh, Doug Spencer and Rider Nation Station will tape it. Um, we've also um, attempted to, not only will he tape the ceremony, but we've taped inter- we're attempting to tape interviews with a large number of the Hall of Famers, you know, asking them three or four questions, like a 10-minute quick interview, asking them your know, favorite memories of times playing for St. Mary's. So we're, we're doing, trying to do an interview that we will, we'll combine that with the ceremony. So you can see all the players, see them and that'll be posted on YouTube. And so you can, even if you can't be there, you could, you can enjoy taking a trip back through, uh, writer history. Awesome. I, I, I know that's going to happen. I'm that nerd that will just wait. When is that going to be uploaded? So I can just sit and watch it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think yeah, so much. Later in... Okay. That's uh, that's a look. We talk about uh, the Hall of Fames. We're back with more here in just a few. Are you in Spencerville and looking for a place to eat before the Bearcats play? Well, then head to my place, 128 North Broadway, for deep fried mushrooms, chili cheese fries, the best pie around, and soup of the day. If you're in a hurry and just want to order some to go, you can give Doug and his staff a call at 419-647-4062, and they'll have it ready for you. My Place Restaurant at 128 North Broadway in Spencerville, a proud supporter of Bearcat Athletics. And as always, a big thank you to all of the sponsors, Lee Kinsel, find them on West Urban Road in Van Wert, My Place in Spencerville as well, as they uh, all do a great job of helping to promote high school sports, and that's is what this show is all about. Big win again for Bluffton. You heard Jeff Richards talk about what exactly he thought was going to be the keys going in to that ball game in a little nonsense because that's how all of these interviews go. And a big thanks again to Mike and Kelly J talking about the St. Mary's Rough Riders basketball project. They've already got the uh, girls' version done. It's at the high school. It's a beautiful kind of setup that they have there. And the boys coming in in January and – I enjoyed it. I hope that you did as well. Find me on Twitter at Michael Hearn PVP. You can find us on Facebook as well. But thank you so much for listening wherever you are, wherever you may be. Get out, support local sports. Even if the weather's bad, take a poncho. Just have a good time. Thanks for listening. Here I go. We hope you've enjoyed this edition of Around the Hearn. Come back next week for more local stories from the NWO. But until then, be sure to follow us on Twitter at Michael Hearn PBP for more great area content.